Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, I brought my girlfriend with me again tonight. She's, uh, she's getting kind of used to this. I think uh, Brother John called us pastors, pastor, not pastors, you know. Boy, if she thinks she's the pastor, I'm in real trouble. So, uh, whatever. I'm not going to observe authority. No, we're not going to do that. Well, we, uh, I was in um, West Virginia Sunday. And, um, you know, there's a man that died in the Bible and he said, let me, let me go back and talk to my family. And uh, the Lord said, no, cut, cut Abraham and the prophets. And uh, so I was fortunate to be able to do something that the dead rich man wasn't able to do. I was able to go back and, and minister to my family. That was the church I was raised in when I was young and um, has a wonderful pastor now. And uh, uh, I had an excellent pastor. I don't ever want to say anything negative about my pastor. He was, he was a very, very, very righteous man. And, um, but, you know, it's one thing. We need, uh, we need people to start churches, but we also need people that can take existing churches and make sure that they go on to, to, to greater, greater things. Um, it, it takes a long time to get a group of people and get enough money to buy a piece of property and then get more money to put up a building and then get enough people to pay the thing off. And it's just, it's pretty much the work of a lifetime. And, um, uh, today was very exciting. We were with the architect again today for several hours and very soon you could see a lot of changes in the lobby and we'll have all the fly throughs available for you. Um, uh, of, of, of what and what we intend to do. And um, I, 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 I'm convinced you'll be pleased with our efforts. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And um, um, don't forget Sunday. Sunday's a big deal. Sunday is the first Sunday in our second year of Imagine. Imagine is our capital campaign. And um, so um, we're... we're uh, Believing God for a lot of money, and we've already um, uh, there's been an enormous amount of money that's been returned. Millions of dollars have been given, and so um, I don't need to pray that God would bless you uh, for giving. I, I'm convinced that just happens. Uh, I don't have to pray it, but what we do need to pray for is that God will give us the wisdom to spend it properly, that it won't be wasted. And um, pray that God will lead us and guide us to the right people. And uh, um, I, I, I hate, I hate mixing church and business. I just hate it. I'll be perfectly. I have been beaten up and lied to and cheated by more brethren in my life than I ever have been by the sinner, sinners. Um, so uh, <clears throat> I just want something that's someone that's honorable. And uh, so you pray that God will give us wisdom and lead us to the right people. And, um, but, but Sunday's a big deal, and we're believing God for, I don't know, three four $400,000 in cash. And, um, and we'll do that. We already have half of that already committed. And uh, so you do what you can, and um, um, we're going to build this thing to the glory of God. And uh, 
I, 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 I don't have time to read you. My phone is absolutely full of text from pastors and people all over the country. I, I did a series of lessons with you at the beginning of the year, and we compared the seven parables that Jesus gave in Matthew 13 with the seven churches in Revelation. And there's no doubt this is Laodicea. We're the, we're the last one. But when you, what's the word I'm looking for? When you parallel those seven churches with the seven parables that were given in Matthew 13, the last thing he said, the kingdom's going to be like a net. And, and I really, I see that happening in so many places across the country. I, I believe the Lord is throwing out a net one more time. And there's just an awful lot of people that are coming into the church that, that weren't there. There are people that are coming back to church that used to be there. And it's just, um, it's just a great time. It's a great time. And um, it, uh, it will not be across the board, but it will be if we stay hungry and we pray. So we had a great prayer meeting Monday and um, we've already got people that want to be baptized in the prayer meeting this Monday. And so we're really baptizing as many, if not more people in the prayer meeting than we are in church. So that's really cool. That really is. And so we thank God for that. So with that in mind, um, Renee and I are going to continue something we started a couple weeks ago. We called it the forgotten gospel. And um, for those of you that uh, may be new to these lessons, um, I need to get everybody on the same page. Um, there are at least four gospels in the New Testament. And, um, uh, and when I say that, most people, or a lot of people, will just assume I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, so if you take that approach, there's eight gospels in the Bible. Um, but it says the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John. Uh, those first four books in the New Testament are really their, their recollection of, of the events and how they unfolded during what had to be a very, very exciting time in, in the land of Israel. Because the silence of the Old Testament was coming to an end. Uh, the last verse in the Old Testament says, I want to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and then I'll turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. And he said, if that doesn't happen, I'm going to smite the earth with a curse. And I truly believe the curse is that one piece of paper between Malachi 4 and Matthew chapter 1. There's just one, usually one page, one piece of paper in our Bible between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But it's 400 silent years. Very, very silent years. And so um, now it's getting exciting. Um, this is, uh, you know, as far as politically, <laughs> it, it wasn't silent politically. Those 400 years were full of a lot of, uh, I don't know if you'd call them exciting, but um, there was a lot going on on the political front. And that's why in Acts chapter 5, this man by the name of Gamaliel, who is considered this respected rabbi, respected teacher. This is Acts 5. For before those days rose up Thetis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered 
and brought to naught. And after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him, he also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him were dispersed. This is, of course, this is the time, you know, when this very wise man is basically rebuking the, the, the elders. And he's saying, look, if it's not of God, we don't have to worry about it, this, these, these Christians. But if it is a God, <clears throat> we're going to be fighting against God. And we don't want to do that. And he said, don't you remember these guys? Don't you remember Thetis? Don't you remember Judas? And so um, you, if you've studied the Bible, you've heard about a guy named Josephus. Josephus is, is not a Bible guy, but he's a very respected historian that wrote about things in the first century. This is what I found. It came to pass that while Cuspius Thetis was procurator of Judea, that a certain charlatan whose name was Thetis persuaded a great part of the people to take their effects with him and follow him to the Jordan River, for he told them he was a prophet and that he would by his own command divide the river and afford them an easy passage over it. Many were deceived by his words. Um, Thetis was basically a false messiah. He led a rebellion against the Roman government. Um, he got killed. After him is this guy named Judas. Judas is a guy that got upset about taxes. Um, we've all been upset about taxes. Uh, uh, it says, you know, do you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar? And uh, uh, Caesar's greedy, okay? And, uh, but uh, uh, many of you have been able to be outside of this country. I've been out of the side of this country a lot. You get outside of America, and when you come back, it's still a great country, and you're grateful to live here. So don't gripe about the taxes. Give them what they want, and don't, don't, don't cheat. And uh, um, so you've got, on the political horizon, there was a lot happening, but there hadn't been much in the spiritual. But, but now, John the Baptist shows up. <laughs> I read something years ago, and it said, here comes this guy with a hoary head and uh, um, suntan face and perspiration polished staff. Guy that's been alone too long with too much of God. Starts, kingdom of heaven is at hand. That had, there's been no prophets. There's been no anointing. There's been no conviction. There's been no, no spiritual activity for four centuries. And all of a sudden, John the Baptist shows up and, uh, you know, little did these people didn't know that here's here's Micah chapter five. But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. It's, that these when John the Baptist started preaching, people didn't realize that 30 years before the prophecy of Micah chapter 5 had been fulfilled when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just like he would say. And then his parents took him to Egypt, you know, to get away from the genocide of the kids. This is what it says in Hosea 11 and verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. That verse is fulfilled in Matthew 2 and 15. And it says, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt 
have I called my son. And when they came back from Egypt, they settled in Nazareth because the prophecy was, you're going to call him a Nazarene. And, and then John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the whole world. And now you've got all kinds of activity going on. You, you've got the Lord choosing the 12. You've got John the Baptist being beheaded. You, you've got Jesus, you know, whole cities came to hear him. Miracles, signs, wonders. And this is where we'll read about what I guess I'll call gospel number one. Because it says in Matthew 4 and verse 23, and when Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. This is replicated almost to the word in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, now after that, John was put in prison, but Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The wording here is very, very exact. This is John 3 and verse 22. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. What, what that is saying, what, what I want you to understand is, Jesus baptized his, his disciples and that was it. There's, there's nowhere in, in the meetings that Jesus had where he's laying hands on people and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with them. There's, there's none of that. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. What was the ministry of Jesus? What was it? It was deliverance. It was deliverance. And, and um, so I'm convinced that's a gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. But there's a second gospel. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. This, this is the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe, Jew first and to the Greek. What is, you know, is there a place in the Bible that tells us how to be saved? Yes. It's Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, past tense. You received it. That's why you're standing. And uh, then he said, uh, I didn't preach anything to you that I didn't do myself first. And then he said, how that Christ died, according to scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. And so, what is, what is the saving gospel of Jesus Christ? Death, burial, and resurrection. And, but, but here's when it, the plot thickens. This is Galatians 2 and verse 20. It says... I am crucified with Christ. Here's Romans 6 and 4. Therefore we are buried with him. Here's Colossians 2 and 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more than just someone 
agreeing with the historical event. Do you believe just Jesus died? Yes. Do you believe he was buried? Yes. Do you believe he rose again from the third day? Yes. There's more to it than that. We need to identify with those things. It's, this is not just a Jesus thing. That this, this, we, the Bible said crucified with him. That sounds a lot like death to me. And, and, and it says in Romans 6 and 4, buried with him. How? By baptism. Colossians 2 and 12, risen with him. So crucified with Christ is death, buried with him, baptism, risen with him, infilling of the spirit. So the, the, this is why the, when you get to Acts chapter 2, I'm not saying the book of Acts is more important than any other book in the Bible. But the book of Acts is a very pivotal book because it, it's the diary of the New Testament church. Because when you read John 7, 37, 38, and 39, this is what it says. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Watch. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus wasn't glorified yet. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story. He leaves. And we know he wasn't glorified until after he left. Matthew 17 is called transfiguration. It's just like a, a preview. But when you get to Revelation, John saw the glorified Christ. And, 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 but this is after he left. And so according to John 7, 39, nobody got the Holy Ghost until Jesus got glorified. That's why you have to go beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find out about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take you to the book of Acts. And, and so here's Peter, you know, and, and he's preaching. And you, it's probably verse 47. It says, uh, you want to know who the guy was 50 days ago in the middle cross? He was Messiah. It says when they heard this, it was like somebody drove a stake in their heart. And they said, what are we going to do? What was Peter's response? Repent, die, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Burial. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Resurrection. Romans 8 and 11 says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it's going to do to you what it did to him. He died. He was buried. The spirit re-inhabited the dead, buried corpse. He came back to life. So the saving gospel of Jesus is death, burial, and resurrection. We identify with his death by repenting and saying, I'm not living this way anymore. You, you got to learn. You, you, you know this, but pray this, I pray this prayer all the time. My God. We can't possibly pull this off by ourselves. We're the dumbest bunch of hillbillies in the world if we think we can have a legitimate move of the Holy Ghost without the help. Paul one time said, you did run well. Why, why is it you started out in the spirit and now you think you're going to get perfected in the flesh? Ladies and gentlemen, we are up against enormous obstacles right now. Our trump card is conviction. Our trump card is conviction. And it's just, and if we don't have the moving of the Holy Ghost in church to where, you know, 
When's the last time you saw somebody run to an altar? When's the last time you left church and there were still people laying underneath the pews that lost track of time? I, 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 I saw, I've seen that. I've experienced that. We can't let that die. I mean, I, I love all these toys and we got all kinds of toys in this church and we'll have more. But those toys are a cheap substitute for, for conviction. They're a cheap, just because you got screens and digital everything, I promise you that stuff, it, it, it's, a, it's a cheap false representation of conviction and God moving. It's a nice show. It's a really, but why are you coming to churches to be entertained? And we've spent a lot of money and, and we'll continue to do that because we want the very best product that we can. I mean, these young people up here tonight and Draylon and all that, they, this, this, that, you, you should see how many hours they practice and everything they do. And it's just, uh, I, I don't know how many hours Renee and I have done. We're just trying to be prepared for tonight. And, and it's just, we're doing the best that the building's clean and, and, and you don't serve the bread of life out of a garbage can, okay? And it's just, we want to do it the best we can, but the Bible said, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word was signed. If the Lord doesn't, I don't want to work for him. I want to work with him. If we don't work with God, we might as well go get drunk, ladies and gentlemen. And, and it's just that the, there's, there's something known as the gospel of the kingdom, which remember what Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He said, the gospel to the poor, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, rising above freedom from the bruise and all that stuff. This is, this is all before the book of Acts. And, and it's just, I think you could track Jesus through a city. There's an empty bed. There's an empty wheelchair. You go around the corner. There's that there's the backpack with the cigar box with the pencils in it, you know, and the guy's not begging anymore. And you go down here and here's a cane and here's a walker. I, I just, there's at least three places in the Bible where it said the whole city came and he healed them all. That's why the Bible said there was lots of other things Jesus did. Couldn't write them all down. I mean, he did bunches of stuff. And, and, and so, which brings me to gospel number three. This is 2 Corinthians 11 and verse four. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which, you have not, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear. Here's Galatians one and six. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. There's another, there's another gospel. It's a gospel without a cross. That's what it is. Remember, remember what, this is what Satan said to Jesus while he was tempting him in the wilderness. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me. Who'd he get it from? Adam was given dominion over the earth. And when, when Adam bought, now I know we've always said it was the woman ate the fruit, but when you read Romans 5, it said, by one man, sin entered into the world. Not by one woman, one man, sin entered into the world. 
and, and, and they gave the dominion of the earth to Satan. And now he looks at Jesus and he said, I'll give you all this power because somebody gave it to me. It has been delivered unto me and whomsoever I will, I can give it away. I got it from somebody else. I can give it to somebody else. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. So let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus come? And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Okay? He came to save people from their sins. Do you see the other gospel? Jesus, Satan is saying, I'll give you the world without a cross. You don't have to have a cross. I can give you the world. Now, 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 this is what my dad told me when I was a kid. I, I graduated from school and I wanted to go to college and I wanted to make money. I, I wanted out of West Virginia. I, I, I was, I just wanted out. And um, my dad said this to me. He said, uh, nobody in our family ever went to college, Harold. And you could go. And he said, I don't have any doubt that you could accomplish whatever you set your mind to. But he said, if you gain the world, Harold. And he said, don't ever doubt it. Satan can give you the world. But if you gain the world and lost your soul. As a dad, I will feel like I failed. So, you know, all these television preachers say the obvious blessing of God is money. Satan can give you money. Don't ever doubt that. Satan can give you money. And, and isn't it amazing that here's these people that say the obvious blessing of God is money. And yet Jesus said, if you get too much of it, it's going to be really hard to get in the kingdom. <laughs> so I want to know who's telling the truth. The, the, these lion, whatever, mercenary prophets or, or the legitimate son of God. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with having money, but does money have you? Okay, just hold it. Don't, don't. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It's loving it. The love of money, that's the root of all evil. And so there's another gospel. And uh, look, 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 look what Jesus, look what, how Jesus responded to Satan. This is four and eight of Luke. Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. There's a great revelation in this one verse. Whatever you worship, you're going to serve. Whatever you worship. See, everybody worships something. My job as pastor is not to make you a worshiper. You're already a worshiper. My job is to try and convince people to worship Jesus Christ. Jesus told the woman at the well, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. And watch this. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. I, I heard a great message years ago entitled, you might be what God's looking for. God's looking for worshipers. Now religion's looking for workers. But God's looking for worshipers. And, 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 you're already a worshiper 
a lot of people don't realize that, but uh, um, that's why there is a gospel that requires no change, no consecration, no submission. It's another gospel. It's another Jesus. It's a quasi Jesus. It looks good. It looks good. And, uh, uh, but it's a spurious false Christ. And here's the fourth gospel. You got the gospel of the kingdom, which is deliverance, healing. You have the saving gospel, which is death, burial, and resurrection. You have another gospel, which can lead you astray. Here's the fourth gospel. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Here's Ephesians 6 and 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Jesus in one of his, his first sermon, of course, was Luke 4. But right after that, you have something. It's not a Bible word, but it's called Beatitudes. And, and one of those great lessons that he taught, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the children of God. And with that in mind, let me introduce you to the book of Philippians. Because Philippians is a letter written to the church that was established in Acts 16. Paul is in this great revival. And he has a dream. A man in Macedonia said, come over here and help us. So he left the great harvest that he was a part of. And he went to Macedonia. Guess what he found? A bunch of women praying. And uh, there was this wonderful lady named Lydia. She was a wealthy businesswoman. She sold purple material, which it, it must have been very expensive. And only the wealthy could afford it. It was a royal color. She had means. She invited him to stay in her house. And so they just did what they did. And with time, they prayed for this woman that had a devil in her. It was called a devil of divination. I had a friend named Johnny Garrison, an old missionary in Africa. He told me about a time of walking days, days to get to this small mining camp that was in the middle of the country where he was ministering. He said, Harold, when I walked out of the jungle and I started walking up this sloppy, muddy road, an old man staggered out of a bar and in perfect English said, Johnny Garrison came here to preach the gospel to us, didn't you? (laughs) And it's just, this woman, the Bible said she made her master's Lots of money. They cast the devil out. So these guys lose their meal ticket. It creates a riot. This is what it says in in Acts 16 and verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them and they ripped their clothes off. And and they were beaten. Why? Why? Because they prayed a prayer of deliverance and a woman got a demon cast out of her. (laughs) What a reward for doing the work of God. And it's just, they ended up in prison. Here's 16 and 24. 
who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. This is probably what we would call solitary confinement. And made their feet fast in stocks. So what was their response? They start singing. <laughs> That's cool to me because I can't sing. I wish I could. I really, I, I love music, but I, I should never sing in public. It's really bad. And many of you know that. But it's a joyful noise, okay? It, it might not be song, but it's, it's a noise. But, but I do it with a lot of joy. From, from my lungs to my larynx, it's Carnegie Hall. But them last two inches, something stupid happens. The last two inches. I understand it because this is what Paul said. My speech was somewhat contemptible. So Paul never sold any CDs. He's never going to travel around the country on some bus, you know, selling and having concerts. This guy's not known for his singing. But in 16 and 25, they start singing. An earthquake comes. Can I, have you ever been in an earthquake? Can I, is there, can I see there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, good. I've been in three earthquakes. And uh, i tell you what happens in third world countries. The walls shake and the roof falls in. Then the walls fall in. Nothing falls in here. This is what it says. Everybody's doors were opened. Everybody. This is something I felt the Lord laid on my heart many years ago from this verse. You've got two kinds of people in prison now. You've got Paul and Silas that know God, they're bound. You've got all these other convicts, they don't know God, they're bound. But freedom will never come to the people who don't know God that are bound. Until freedom, first of all, comes to bound people that do know God. If we claim to know God, we best get free. Because all them other bound people are dependent on our freedom. We have to be delivered. We have to be free. Okay? And it, the Bible said, lay aside every weight and sin. Some things aren't sin. They're just weighing you down. Weighing you down. You know, I, I've told this story how many times, but here again. We've probably got new people here tonight that don't know. You need to hear this. Jesus looked at the guy and said, what's your name? And the demons hijacked the conversation and say, there's thousands of us. Legion. I don't believe Jesus was talking to devils. I don't. I think Jesus was talking to the guy. What's your name? Harold. How you doing, Harold? My name's Jesus. No. I can't tell you how many people I've met in all these years of ministry that just want to tell me, I just got out of prison. I, I've been divorced twice. I've had to declare bankruptcy. Please don't allow your past problem to become your present identity. Please don't do that, for goodness sakes. And, and, and what happens? See, according to Roman law, if I was a police officer and I've, I've got you in custody and you're a murderer, and you're probably going to, you know, capital punishment. If I lose you, I have to pay your price. That's Roman law. This guy is just sure everybody's gone. He runs in and Paul said, don't hurt yourself. Nobody left. Not only are the preachers there, all them cons are still there. 
Now, I can understand Paul and Silas staying in jail. Why do all them cons stay in jail? This is what I think. Nothing collapsed. In other words, I'm going to take my chances with the preacher. Because we ought to be dead right now. The walls should have gone out. The roof ought to be flat. We should be smashed flatter than pancakes. But we're safe. Why? I think it's because them preachers right there. And it's conjecture on my part. I can't prove that. But what? Watch. This is Philippians 1 and 3. Watch. I thank God upon every memory of you. Wait a minute. Isn't that the place where they ripped your clothes off? Isn't that the place where they beat you? Isn't that the place where they put you in the prison and put your feet in stocks? Yeah. But if I would have never been in prison, I would have never met my man. Because I'm totally convinced the man that he saw in the vision was the jailer. And he would have never met his man if he would have never ended up in the jailer's jailhouse. And it's just, ladies and gentlemen, your steps are ordered. Your times are in his hands. The puppet master of the universe is controlling your life. Okay? And so, this brings us to chapter 2. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. Instead of being full of all this bitterness and this ugliness and this negativity, they, they ripped our clothes off. You understand that? They, 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 they beat me. They, all we did was try and deliver some bound girl and we're in jail for that. That's not the way the guy talks. He's, he says, I want you to be like-minded. Same love, one accord, one mind, nothing done through strife or vainglory. Watch, look not every man on his own thing, but every man on the things of others. And then you get this amazing verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's, now, now, I'm going to show you. Here's Isaiah 55 and verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Say the, people say, see there? Don't even try. You're never going to think like him. You're never going to see it like him. It's just AM and FM. That's not what Paul said. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. We can think like he thinks. We can see things the way he sees. We can hear things right. And, and it's all about this whole concept of Philippians. Here's the sad part. Here's Philippians 2 and 20. He said, I couldn't find anybody like-minded. I couldn't find anybody. I, in other words, I, I'm, I'm dealing with negative people. I'm dealing with people that are bitter. I'm dealing with people that have past hurts. Listen, you know in Corinthians, Paul said, five times of the Jews received I 30 stripes, save one. That's 195 stripes. That's a lot of scars. Beaten with rods, which probably they beat the tarsals and broke the tarsals in his feet. So he hobbled. For, this is the guy that's got Luke with him, man. This is the guy that's got a doctor with him. Though No wonder. Look at all the stuff that he went through. If anybody should have been bitter, if any, but see in Acts chapter nine, 
when, 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 when he was knocked off his horse and Ananias dealt with, when that elder dealt with this quote unquote new convert, you're going to show him the things which he must need suffer for the gospel. Going into it, Paul knew it's going to be a bumpy ride. But I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. And, and, and so now you get into that I may know him, power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings. And then he sums it up with this. And I want my wife to read to you Philippians chapter four and verse eight. And I want her to tell you some of the things she's told me that she found studying this week. We're going to go over to the mic. Here you go. Turn it on. Yes, sir. <laughs> I think it's already on. It's already on. Okay. So we're going to do a little thing here. Let me get my... I want to read something first. Well, I guess I can read it later. What you're looking at here, all oh, don't mess up his pretty. I'm not hair. messing up anything. Just go on. <laughs> the girl and me can't take that on that chair. <laughs> Mike's, Mike's saying yes. Don't do that to that poor. Look, it's making a mark. Can't. I'm, I'm most. Just go on. I'll okay. get it. Sorry, Mark. All right. So when we were in, there you go. There you go, babe. Thank you very much. Now that now the bird seed thing. Yes. Yes, my dear. You didn't know I was the boss. Yes, my dear. Didn't know we were going to teach this lesson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are we ready now? Just stick to the notes, okay? okay. All right, get back to the lesson here. <laughs> okay. When when we were in Cozumel, one of our uh, big things that we love to do at the very end of the island uh, is this beach that has tons and tons of shells. Like you're stepping on shells every inch of the way. Yeah, there's some treasures that we uh, collected. You can show them the, yeah. Some of them we bought. Now that we didn't find that on the Beach. We bought that because there's there's shops that have special ones that divers have found. I found this one. Yeah. This is called a trident trumpet. This is really really tough to find one of these bad boys. Yeah. So we like to collect these shells and there's huge ones. I like I've got brain coral that are like this big. I didn't have time to go in my garage and get all of my shells out, but. We have lots of shells, let's just say. <laughs> anyway, we, we went around the house and collected them all for this lesson. But um, the, the dilemma is, I, I'm so greedy, and yet there's millions of shells, and we go back, we've been going back to like 25 to 30 years, so why do I want to collect tons of shells? I don't know, big and small. I just pile all kinds of shells, right, Bianca? I'm seeing Bianca back there because she's been there with us. 
and experiences. One time she found a beautiful brain coral shell and it was in the shape of a heart. And of, of all days, it was on Valentine's Day. And she was going to bring it back to Kento. And they confiscated it. <laughs> because she put it, we know the secret, you wrap it. You wrap it. We're good smugglers. It. Yeah. Yes, they're good smugglers. You wrap it and you put it in the, in the suitcase that you check. Anyway, that's how we got some of these out. But so there's this dilemma now that now that I'm not taking my big suitcase, I have this little roller suitcase. It's tiny. It's a travel suitcase because uh, Pastor d got tired of lugging all the luggage to Cozumel. So he said, we're going from now on with just carry-ons. Okie dokie. So I get all these shells and then I can't, I have to choose what I'm going to take home. And so a lot of times I end up with little baby ones because I can't fit the big ones in my suitcase. But they're memories. We have, uh, you know, jars and jars of just shells and they're memories of our time there. We don't buy souvenirs anymore. We just go to that beach and get shells for free, right? So... When I, when I thought, started thinking about uh, Philippians 4, uh, I wanna, I'll read it to you, but I'm going to do the, the negative first. So, but it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I want to first talk about what we fill our lives with. See, we are a vessel, and I know you guys have seen this, but I think it, it teaches a powerful lesson. We are a, we're, we're a vessel created by God. And... We only have so much room in our vessel to hold things. And if we decide, listen to this, if we fill our lives with the small stuff, a proud look. Can you find a proud look? Proud look, lying tongue. And a lying tongue. I don't even know if we're going to have enough. We got lots of lies. We got lots of lies. Mm -hmm. I was going to use sand, but he took all my sand, so it's bird seed. Thanks, Jeff Woodworth. The next one is hands that shed innocent blood. When we gossip and we judge another, we can kill them with our words. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. When we allow death to reign in our heart. When we allow sin to reign in our heart. When we allow bitterness to reign in our heart. It's devising wickedness in our, in our thought life. Feet. Wow. That be swift to running to mischief. Can't Have wait you ever to... heard? Anybody wait till you hear? Have you heard? Have you heard this? Oh, that's terrible. Tell me more. Yes. We're going to feed the birds today. And he, last but not least, and I don't think you have room for it, he that soweth discord among the brothers. I already put and that, that was, in. You already put that, that in with, too, yep. with him that soweth discord. Yes. That him that speaketh lies, right? Speaketh lies and sowing discord. 
Yeah. We still got some lies left, as a matter of fact. Quite a few. <laughs> if you see, there ain't no room for the good. How are we, thank you, how are we going to win the lost when we allow these kind of things to reign in us? We don't, we're not going to have the gospel of peace. When there's a war within us, our flesh wars against the spirit. And we don't cast those things down, those high things that exalt themselves above God, that he has given us power and authority over, that, that he said that we, he, we could crush underneath our feet. If we allow these things to reign, we're not going to have peace, guys. We're going to have a war in our spirit. If our value system, if we're reading about this and coming to church and, and hearing about all this good stuff that we should have inside, and we're not living it out, if we're not allowing Christ to reign in us, and we don't give that back to him, those things that rule our heart and that we put above God, when he said we have power over those, we're not going to have peace. We're not going to have the gospel of peace. But look, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest, if we read and study and memorize the scripture, fill our mind with God's truth, reading books that challenge our brain, energize our brain, learn new things, how I am living with in peace with the scripture? How am I making progress in his word? How am I regressing? Am I confessing and forsaking? What actions of obedience am I taking so that he can bring peace to my soul? Holy his body, soul, and spirit. We are just and pure. Speak of the goodness of God and his nature. Make I statements. I am a child of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord said, I am the God that healeth thee. I am your deliverer. When you are depressed and feeling lonely, don't say, I am depressed. You're owning the depression. You're identifying with that depression. You say, I feel depressed. But don't say, I am. Don't own that thing. I am sick. No, I am feeling sick. <laughs> don't claim it. Esther always said that when I feel sick. Don't claim it, Renee. Don't claim it. Don't own it. Research shows that making positive statements lifts your emotions just as a smile lifts your spirits. Do you know that when you smile at somebody, and it's a sincere smile, they can't help but smile back. It lifts their spirit too, I always said that. Half the smile is for me and half is for you. Be careful what we speak. Positive speech lifts your spirit and mood. Negative speech stirs up anger, fear, anxiety, and depression. It's a, it's a proven fact, guys, and I can't even remember how, what the percentage is. It's like 30 to 40% maybe higher of people that hold bitterness and anger and uh, negativity inside. 
They can't let go of something they can't forgive. They hold that inside that it causes most of the diseases in the world, that it actually can cause autoimmune disease, it can cause cancer, it can cause aches and pains in your body. It's a proven fact. You, because it, it, it destroys the vessel that, it's, that holds it. It doesn't destroy the one that it's put out on or the one you hate, it destroys you. It actually eats away at you. Harold had a great thought. What we was read this thing about, they called it opportunistic cells. They said that every one of us have these goofy cells in our body, just sitting there waiting for the right series of events to occur. It's like throwing fuel on the fire. My grandfather, who didn't serve the Lord, loved kids. He loved kids. And he was, you've got to understand those roads in West Virginia, if you've ever been there, they twist and turn. He came around a turn. There was two cars very close to the road. A little boy and a little girl were fighting between the cars. The little boy didn't understand what he was doing, but he pushed his sister in front of my grandfather's car. It, he didn't even see her. He just felt something and he stopped. When he got out, she's dead. She's three years old. My grandfather was dead within 10 weeks. It triggered something in his body and it just ate him up. He couldn't get over that horrible experience. And if we're not careful, there are things that lurk inside of us. And, and, and if, if you feed that with negativity and ugliness and the wrong diet, that's, that stuff, it'll eat you up. It'll eat you up. I've seen that. I've seen that, what happened. I know of a situation right now of someone that I know would be alive today, but they were full of bitterness. And it killed them. It killed them. And it's just... What do we want to be full and overflowing with? Bitterness and anger that's going to splash on onto others? Or the joy of the Holy Ghost? Beauty. <laughs> Treasures. Yeah, treasures, our treasures. These are our treasures, guys. These are, these are more important than anything I have in my house. These are my treasures, my memories. That's all we have. Lovely, whatsoever things are lovely. Think on the goodness of God and fill your mind with good thoughts. Do you know that um, there's research shown, and I, I share this with quite a few people, uh, that I was, I was studying it yesterday and listening to this podcast, and... Um, there's research that shows that, you know, we think all this medicine uh, is a mood lifter and it's going to help you out of depression. But the pharmaceutical people have lied to us for years. And it's only, it only lifts you out of that depression 1.8%. But if you're feeling depressed and you walk outside, and especially in the summer, if you actually take your shoes off and get your feet in the ground and experience the dirt, look up at the sky, see the trees, experience nature, that that lifts your mood 30% by 30%. If you will uh, make a date with a friend when you're feeling depressed. 
make a lunch date or go out with a friend, have lunch or dinner, do you know that that will lift your depression by 40%? Get out of your house in these next two weeks. We got beautiful weather. Get out of your house. <laughs> Don't stay in your house. Now, now if, you can't, if you're physically challenged, I get it, but you know, we've got all these parks around here. We, we're blessed in this part of town. There's great parks around here. Go take a walk and, and look at the jack in the pulpit starting to pop up and the crocuses are starting to bloom and the daffodils are coming out and all of a sudden the birds are building the nest and having babies and just, I think we ought to be able to appreciate spring in Michigan better than anybody else in the country, man, because we've had some overcast days and it's just, enjoy this. It's, it's a better way to live. You don't have to talk in tongues. Just go for a walk. You'll feel better. And if you do exercise and you'll do manual labor, if you'll work and actually get calluses on your hands and work and, be, and, and tire yourself, you sleep better at night. And getting sleep at night, eight hours of sleep, will actually lift your mood again by 50%. Isn't that amazing? So oh. a lot of the, the depression that we are feeling in this world is societal pressure because we're too much on our iPhones, we're too much in on um, our iPads, we're too much on the television, we're too much in ourselves, yes. tucked away. And research shows that if you'll get out of that and break forth out of that and serve others, you'll lift your mood. Yes. You'll, you, can, you can think yourself out of depression. You can talk yourself out of depression. You can act yourself out of depression. I want you to read that thing you read to me because it says, blessed are the peacemakers. you got to make it. Okay? It's work. You have to send, it's not just going to show up automatically. We have to be able to build it, make it, craft it. It's, and, and Renee found something. Give that thing about, you know, I don't know. You have to tell about me. the hammock and the and the. the, the oh, okay. The, There's one more thing. Can okay. I, can I okay. do that? Yeah, now? I jumped the gun. Probably. Yes, you did. You did. You just did jump the gun. This is how we work with one another. I've got one last one, and Absolutely. then I'll read that. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Yeah. Malachi three sixteen says, "Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another." And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. I want to read that in the message. Then those whose lives honored God got together and talked it over. God saw what they were doing and listened in. A book was opened in God's presence and minutes were taken of the meeting with the names of the God-fearers written down and all the names of those who honored God. That's kind of cool that God keeps notes. There's another, there's another um, instance of when they talked about uh, uh, the rock of remembrance. And there was a time when Jacob was uh, going to go back to Esau and they met and they set up a, these stones of memorial and remembrance. 
of the good times that they had in the covenant and the oath that they made one another, that they weren't going to harm one another. And they made a memorial of peace, a peace offering <laughs> to the Lord. And so whenever I pray or read, I keep a journal by me. Now, Sister Woodcock gave me this. It's a beautiful book. Oh, my word. Find yourself a journal. I don't care if you don't, you're not a good writer. When I was a kid, I had spiral notebooks. And this is a proven fact with writing, too. This is a good thing for mental health. Isn't it amazing the science that lines up with the Word of God? These are things that they have studied and studied and, and discovered. Uh, when I was a little, when I was young, I had um, a lot of secrets in the house. Mom was a perfectionist, and you know, being in the ministry, we were supposed to be perfect, even the kids. And it was a lot of stress on me, and so, and I carried a lot, and I had no friends because I couldn't, com I couldn't confess my sins. They would know that I'm not perfect. Wow, what a thought. And so I would write and write and write, and I'd write letters to God, and then I'd tear them up and throw them away because <laughs> I was ashamed. I didn't want anybody to read it. It was just between me and God. Some of the thoughts and some of the things I was so ashamed of. But I have, I've always written, and it's not for others. It was for me. Now I write for others. Now my journals are teaching journals because I realize the lessons and the pain and the things that I go through aren't just for me, just like Paul. They're for others. And so I don't want to miss anything, any lesson that I, can, that I can pass on. When I do my prayer in the morning, my Zoom prayer, and I study and I start studying uh, for that Zoom, it's not for that Zoom prayer. It's for me. I'm with God, and he's correcting me. He's talking to me. He's encouraging me. And then what I come out of that and the prayer that I find from what he talks to me then, I share with others. So it's not preaching to others. It's preaching to me. <laughs> it's what God's talking to me about. And then I open up and share that with others. But if you, when you pray will keep a journal, memorize the word of God, read the word of God, journal about it, and ask the Lord, am I lining up? What, would you, what, what do you see in me, Lord? What are you telling me? And then write that out because that's a book of remembrance. That's a book of testimony. That's a book of peace that you can pass on to somebody else. Those are lessons and remembrances that you can pass on to somebody else. Good words and testimony that you can pass on to somebody else and lift their mood. Mindy, did I lift your mood yesterday? I sensed I felt such a burden for Mindy, and I knew she was fighting a battle, and I came across all this stuff, and I bombarded her. <laughs> with information. That's what God does for us. He's not going to leave us when we have a trial. He is faithful. He's going to walk through it with us. He's going to give us tools. And so pastor gave the philosophical. He gave the beautiful word of God. And wasn't it poetic? I just, when I look, I mean, hardly a note, I just marvel at his teaching. 
But then God, along with that, wants to give the practical. <laughs> Just don't waste inspiration. Yes. God gives you something. Write it down. Write it down. I'm going to do a thing Sunday before I speak. I've already asked someone in the church. Three minutes before I preach, I just want someone to get up here and say something good. They said, what's good? I said, I don't care. I don't care if it's Bible. I don't care if it's about your family. I don't care if it's about night. Just something good. We're being bombarded with all this garbage everywhere you look. And it's like, what sort of things are good? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are honest? Good report. Give me a good report. The gospel of peace. Yes. There are three, if you write down, here's another research, if you write down three good thoughts before you go to bed, three thoughts of thankfulness, and this is being mindful and, being, and remembering to be thankful. If you write down three good things that you did that day that you accomplished, um, I tried it last night, and actually, guys, I was shocked at how many good things I accomplished. I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. When I went, because when I went to bed, I was kind of discouraged. Oh, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. I didn't clean out the garage because it was too cold. We didn't go on our walk because the wind was blowing too hard. And I needed a nap. And I took you out to dinner and, he, again. and I didn't cook. Okay, so when I went to bed before, I started thinking about all the things that I did. I had the negative. Oh, I feel like such a failure because look at all that I didn't do. But then when I put my mind to what I did do, I took Ashley out. I gave Brenda a birthday gift. I uh, unloaded and loaded the dishwasher. I stayed on my diet. I did three loads of laundry. I was like, wow, that wasn't too bad, Renee. It wasn't the greatest. But I was, and I sent... uh, Encouraging messages to two or three of my friends. I made a, dates. You had an hour of prayer in the morning from oh, yeah, 30 to 8 30 well, with all those people. <laughs> That's a daily routine. I forget. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm so thankful for the time. See, now that I'm 60 and I don't have young kids, I don't have responsibilities in the morning. Ashley sleeps in, thank God. Now, because I'm a, I've had the habit of being a morning person, and I had to when I was younger. I had to get up at 5 in the morning to be able to have time to pray. Because Ashley was an early riser at 7, and I wanted that time alone. And so I had the habit of waking up at 5. Well, now I have that habit, and I have all the time in the world in the morning. And it is a beautiful time in the Lord, a strengthening time for me. But not only that, but I'm full to overflowing of stuff, good stuff, good stuff. And so when pastor asked me to teach with him, I've never taught and been comfortable in front of people. But he's making me more comfortable. But I stepped out. Why? Because I have a lot of good stuff to share, practical stuff that will help people, simple stuff. But it can help you today. And I hope that this... So I'm going to be practical. Let's wrap it up. Go for it. Well, I I got a few last things. (laughs) Clarify what is most important. Who do you want to be? What are your values? And make that a priority. Don't let the little stuff displace the important stuff.
in your life. Adversity builds resilience. Exercise your faith. Don't give up or run from difficulties. Learn from your mistakes. Don't expect perfection. God doesn't always deliver us from our pain. Sometimes we need to go through the process to build our faith. Here's the, here's the, that don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God will make everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. And that's Philippians 4, 6 through 9 in the message. Gather stones is a testimony that can bring peace. And here's the thing that, Pastor, I forgot that you asked me to say that. Yeah. Okay. And an economist, and I can't pronounce his name, it's Nicholas, trained at Harvard and the London School of Economics, shows clear statistical evidence in his book, Men Without Work. He has identified that there are 7.2 million able-bodied males ages 25 through 54 who are not only unemployed, they're not even looking for work. They are apparently supported by parents, girlfriends, spouses, or the government, so they simply see no need to work. There are individuals from this generation who are useless to their employer, their spouse, and are of no service to society. They are born of helicopter-enabling parents. They have little to no grit or work ethic and spend their passion trolling and being activists. They have lived such sheltered, comfortable, luxurious lives that they have no toughness. They're triggered by mere words and must be provided safe spaces because their whole lives have been way too safe. These people are not happy. Depression, addiction, and suicide are high among this group. It is really sad. So their families and we as a society have done them no favors by supporting their inability to soar. We as a group have stolen their dignity. Michael Easter in his best-selling book, The Comfort Crisis, outlines how all of us have worked so hard to become comfortable we have lost the ability to do hard things. He accurately suggests the antidote is to intentionally require of ourselves and those we love to, you guessed it, do hard things. Parents, you are not loving your baby eagles well when you provide a hammock rather than a safety net. When you clip their wings, they lose their dignity. We should not remove consequences we should intentionally engage in hard things and acts of noble service at personal loss. Calluses on our hands and our character, earned through stress and strain, are the trophies of service to others. 
Others-centered rather than self-centered people have the best lives. We've also seen the undeniable effects of people digging in, doing hard things and improving their finances, their careers, and their relationships. And this is from David Ramsey's, um, it was an opinion on, in the news. People need to be reminded that doing hard thing produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope, my friends, never disappoints. Yes. Uh, recently, I was in a place of business and the man I was dealing with was in his early 60s. And he said, Harold, I know you pastor a church. Can you help me? And he just began to cry. He said, my son is 32 years old. He lives with us. We're going to counseling. And all my son wants to do is blame me and my wife for all of the things we didn't do for him. Even though he lives in our home, we pay for his car, we pay for his car insurance, we pay for his clothes, we pay for his college education. He sits and plays tour of duty all day long. And while I work, and his mother continues to work. And I told him, I said, look, you have to understand that being a parent is the only relationship in the Lord that has an expiration date. You have to understand that there's coming a time when you can't tell them to brush their teeth. You can't tell them to go to bed. And he just stopped and looked at me and he said, say that again real slow, Harold. And he wrote every word and he said, you just verbalized everything my wife and I have tried to be able to say, but we could never say it and never could figure out how to say it. And it was, it was just, what Renee and I are trying to get across tonight is, in Malachi, we, she read that thing about these, when, when people talk about good stuff and God takes minutes, listen to what it says right after that. And you will tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the sole of your feet. It just keeps happening again. This thing about your shoes, about your feet, you know. You think of this, how, how beautiful are the feet of them that, that can bring peace, you know. The gospel of, this is what it says in the book of Luke. And you shall tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. He said, I will give you power over all the power of the enemy. Now in English, it's the same word power, but in the Greek language, it's not the same. One is something called dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. And, and the other one is, uh, uh, huh? Exousia. exousia, exousia. One means ability, the other means authority. And what the Lord is saying is Satan's got ability, but I'll give you authority over his ability. And listen, it's serpents, are, what, a snake bites you with his head, a scorpion bites you with his tail. But I think what Jesus is saying is heads or tails, you win. Stand, stand, stand. Jesus name. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Your word says that you came here. Amen. So making peace, so making peace. Lord. 
I'm so grateful for what's going on in this church. I'm grateful for what's going on in these people's lives. I feel sorry for people that don't have a faith-based life. I feel sorry for people that aren't in the word on a regular basis because they're flying by the seat of their pants and they're trying to navigate the negativity of this world, Lord, somehow trying to rise above all that by their own ability. But your word says, we're not gonna do it with our might. We're not gonna do it with our power, but we can do it with your spirit. And so Lord, as we go from this place tonight, we're supposed to be ambassadors. We're supposed to be witnesses. We're supposed to be voices. We're supposed to be a means, a billboard, a marquee. We're gonna come in contact with people tomorrow, Lord, that are in trouble, real, real trouble. And I'm asking you, God, that they would not just hear us, but they would feel us. Let something exude from us, Lord, a legitimate gravity of your presence that would somehow, oh God, lead us to hungry people. Dear Jesus, I know this city's full of them. I'm not interested in fighting anymore. I've been in enough fights. I've been in enough disputes. I've been in enough disagreements and arguments. I'm looking for hungry people. I'm looking for hungry people that just, they've tried it and, and they, it's all butched up and they're just at their wits end. And I, I want them to know there's another door. There's one more chance. There's another option. Guide us, guard us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray because we make a covenant tonight. We're going to be peacemakers. We want to be called your kids. Amen. I'm not interested in being called a Pentecostal, but I am interested in being called one of your children. And Lord, I'm asking you, God, to help us to be willing to put the effort in to make peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Greet one another. Greet one another. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.